feel like death and men who are fighting to be warm. Come in, she said, I'll give ya shelter from the storm. Quickly find shelter. We're expecting a storm. Of chaos. This is the War Games Orchard. Welcome to the show. It's Nathan, Scott, and GJ here bringing you the finale of our looks at the beautiful summer campaigns of the early 2000s. Starting off with Armageddon, the Albion campaign, the Eye of Terror, and now we come to the last, the biggest, the one, the only, the Storm of Chaos. Honestly, a bigger uh, production than the three other ones combined. This is quite a monumental book. It might be, I think, the most Games Workshop has ever crammed into a single supplement in terms of content. And we're going to tackle it. We're actually going to tackle it in two parts. So today's episode, we're going to be focusing on the first half of the book. We're going to be looking at the Legions of Chaos, the Demonic Legions, the Defenders of the Empire, and talking a little bit about the lore and the arts and all the wonderful things about this book. And in the next episode, we're going to hit the back half with all of the fun variant armies for the other factions of Warhammer Fantasy. Before we jump in, let's catch up with our hosts. It's been a little while since we've all been on the show. So let's see what we've been up to. Scott, why don't you start us off here? How is your hobby life these days? Great. Yeah, thanks. I'm really into the tree army. <laughs> uh, been, so I found, uh, I finished painting 48 dryads recently. Uh, not all 48, but I had up to the any of it there. Uh, but I, what was funny was I looked into my bits box and I found 12 more dryads still in the sprue. <laughs> so I just finished putting them together uh, yesterday and there's 12 more ready. I will have 52 dryads when Ooh. that's all done. I'm excited about that. How uh, many points of trees are you coming up on at so this point? So I'm almost, I'm getting there at 2250 or 2500. Okay. Um, nice. What I did, yeah, thanks. Uh, I'm really, really after the treekin um, from 6th Ed. I have, how many do I have here? I have 10. Um, I'd like to get two blocks of them. So what I did was I took the riders off the my unicorns, and I'm just using unicorns as like a treekin champion because they have the same base size. Because it, mainly for the looks, you have the treekin and then there's like a unicorn right in the center of the unit. So it's a stand-in for that. It's really fun. Nice. Yeah. It would be like a treekin elder. Basically, they're four spirits anyway, right? So I figured... I think I think the unicorn passes for stand-in. Uh, it looks really like like you have trees, 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 and then the two unicorns kind of leading the unit. Very nice. Um, I have three um, tree men. I have Durthu. I just finished painting, and I'm actually using one of the Lord of the Rings trees as my third. So I'm really liking that. I think one more kit. <laughs> you know the. Um, 100 and i think it's 100 point 100 dollars or 115 dollars you get 18 miles you get 16 dryads a tree man and then the branch wraith or whatever so i think one more of those and i'll be done with that army it's basically just wanting to field just all trees i don't even care if it's not strong or playable or whatever it's just about how they look 
Um, the theme for the army is basically defenders of the south. So they, I have them like painted like birch bark or um, kind of ghostly. It's like they, they're defending the from the Tomb King area, like the desert regions. So imagine using the world roots where they start out, they're all green, and then as they arrive arrive to the hot desert, they just start to dry, and they're like the bark becomes really kind of white and ghostly. I think I think it's cool. It's a cool theme. I'll take pictures when I'm done here and post it on the. Yeah, please do. Um, yeah, thanks. Uh, but yeah, other stuff. That's what I've been working on. I recently got a trade. Um, for those of you, I might have mentioned last year in our podcast, I had really, really wanted white lions, not the plastic ones. The plastic ones, in my opinion, are just so dynamic in their poses. And uh, I really like putting them together. So I did find 10 on a trade recently with uh, Core Hill, the a metal, the metal version. Not the, the fine cast, which I was happy with. So now I have my high elves where I wanted them was 20 white lions. So last year I was able to score a box of white lions. And they are still in the plastic because they were waiting for that accompaniment of the 10 more before I got into the painting. So yeah, I primed them last night and uh, they're my next project. So high elves. Other than that, the standard... Um, oh, I have to grab this model to do a paint scheme on this model. I... <laughs> I worked on some demonettes last night, uh, getting ready for my game uh, today. Actually, I'm going to play 40k uh, Demons of Slanesh versus Tyranids. So that should be interesting. It's me in a nutshell. Awesome. Sounds good. GJ, how about you? Well, still um, up to my neck in diapers. So still, she hasn't gotten a job yet. My goodness. No, no. What's that little hobby? Loader? That's a hobby, is it? Really? <laughs> <laughs> Well, no, changing diapers is definitely not my hobby, but um, <laughs> it's something I I, I, I will do with uh, all the love and tenderness that I can put into it. Now, oh. um, I, have, I, I haven't been painting much. Uh, the only thing I did since our last update was that I blue stuffed, uh, copied and molded two of the uh, Tomb King's uh, Scorpions, not the big ones, the tomb scorpions, but mm-hmm. the little ones that came with the uh, the necrosphinx kit, I believe. Uh, because I am going to play some more time tomorrow for the first time ever with my high school buddy uh, Roderick, yes. which you would probably pronounce as Roderick over there in uh, <coughs> less civilized countries. But, uh, <laughs> I I agree. yeah so uh this is uh, this is actually going to be my first time playing more time and i was just looking at what warbands are there what what kind of models do i have painted so i made two warbands one is the uh, dwarf treasure hunters Mm. and the other one is the um tomb guardians both are not from the official rule book uh, but they are i believe at least one of them is from town crier so it's still uh still still official and the other one uh might be as well. I'm not, not sure. All right. I think so we'll just cancel Dunkaya, this. So. We're going to cancel the episode just so we can talk about your adventure into Mordheim. <laughs> <laughs> we hasn't done it yet. I know, no, but it's, uh, we're going to do it tomorrow. I, I'm I'm one of those like backseat drivers where I'd be like, "Hey, I, oh, this is good. Do that." I mean, <laughs> the dwarves are the, yeah. the dwarves are just fantastic in the in Mordheim. So good. Ah, good. Yeah. Glad I chose them then. No, I, I have absolutely no idea. I, I'm, I built some warbands, and I have no idea whether they are competitive or not. Uh, it's, it's just me trying to 
basically get a hang of the game and how it's going to work and I will probably learn a lot from all the mistakes I'm going to make. Yep, that's how it should be. Take what you want. Yeah. It should always be <laughs> rule of cool in any game. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree. Yeah, and, and other than that, I've also um, primed and started work on my Bretonian Foot Grill Knight champion. Uh, the, the, uh, uh, the guy with the hammer that's uh, yeah. swinging it from behind his shoulder. He, that that model's epic. It is, yeah. I was really glad to get my hands on that. And then when I got it, it had the wrong... Sh- well, it actually didn't have a shield with it. Oh, no. But then, I don't know if it was earlier or later, I got the um, Bretonian Pegasus Knight, the, the old metal one, the 5th edition one. And that actually had the shield for this Grill Knight champion included. So I do have him complete with the, or, uh, the, the, the fitting shield. And I'm going to paint him up because I'm going to play at some point, haven't decided to date yet, uh, the first scenario of the... Um, Circle of Blood campaign, 5th edition. Uh, actually with uh, Wout Jan, who is also a listener to the podcast. So, uh, yeah, we, we met through Facebook, and uh, he lives about an hour's drive away from me, I believe. So, uh, awesome. at some point, we're Sweet. going to meet up and uh, try our armies. He's going to play Undead, and I'm going to get some Bretonians killed in a cemetery. <laughs> nice. That's proof of our very first episode the name of it was warhammer was about the friends we met along the way yeah it is yeah so um how about you nathan well uh i haven't actually picked up a model well that's not true i actually moved some around but (laughs) i haven't done anything with a model since the last episode unfortunately i've just been busy with getting ready for school and uh as i mentioned on the last podcast i ended up finding some work and that's really exciting but it's also going to eat up a little bit more of my time so just kind of getting ready for that the one thing that i will mention though is and this is kind of just me nerding out about the things i'm going to be able to do is i had to buy a macbook pro for (gasps) school because i'm going to be doing a lot of intensive things like rendering video and and doing all sorts of nonsense like that and apparently a standard pc wasn't going to cut it i had to buy apple i'm not super enthused about having to buy apple usually because they're kind of like games workshop where you're going to pay a lot for the name but 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 they work (laughs) oh my god i (laughs) the more i play with this thing yeah the more i am falling in love with it a little bit so i will probably end up being one of those apple snobs in the next three or four months just doing everything on my little uh, MacBook. What's really fun is I've got a suite of programs that were part of an education bundle that includes things like Final Cut Pro. So I'll be able to have a lot more options and and power, basically, when I'm making videos and, and putting together things for the YouTube channel. I have to get used to it, but it it's going to be a lot more interesting for me and i think i'll be able to create better videos than the little kind of freeware program that i was using so that is very exciting i'm stoked about doing that and that that's is defi- that that's is definitely that's definitely a hobby for mm-hmm. sure yeah yeah that's great yeah. That's I, fantastic. I did film a little video this morning because i wanted to start playing around with final cut as soon as i could 
So that is the sequel to my Let's Play on Rights of War. And uh, this morning's episode, oh, did not go as smoothly as the first one. (laughs) There was, uh, there had to be a a bit of a mulligan uh, because I got a lot of Eldar killed in the uh in the third scenario uh, uh, it steps up the difficulty quite a bit in my defense and i am playing on hard so wow. okay. you know it's <laughs> i'm also really bad at video games um yeah so that's kind of what i've been up to i I'm, I'm excited man it's getting so close to to school and this is the time of year where it's i i kind of feel like i'm you know remember when you were like going to a new school as a kid like if you if you mm-hmm. moved or if you like moved up from like elementary school to middle school that's kind of how i feel it's really yep. weird even though i haven't been in a, a classroom since a long time ago longer than i want to admit on this show so <laughs> it's true man it's a whole different social avenue and mm-hmm. yeah you're it changes your kind of the good news is you'll always get whatever nerves you have you'll always get so much out of going to school Oh yeah, yeah. It's, it's just talking about it, studying. It, it puts yeah. your. It's good for your brain. Yeah, it's it's barely even nerves at this point. Like I'm just, I'm impatient. I want right. to just, <laughs> I want to get it yeah. started. Right. That's good. Yeah. So I'm I'm really looking forward to that. But for today, gentlemen, we have a big old topic here. Uh, there is some clouds moving in. I think that we might get some precipitation. I'm not sure what a storm of chaos brings with it. I assume it rains blood or pus or both or perhaps Acid. just magic. Uh, Acid. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Yeah, let's not think about what Slanesh might add to that. So <laughs> we're oh going to jump God. in here. And this book is just incredible. I, I was saying it before the show and I'll say it here. This is not equaled, I, I think, in... Games Workshop's history, as far as a campaign book, as far as a supplement, for because it's not a huge book, really. It's about the size of an army book, but it adds yeah. so much to Sixth Edition. It's it was, quality. yeah, it was. It almost made kind of a, a six point five, even though I, I don't think we really think of Sixth Edition as having that demarcation. This added stuff that I think should have been in the game originally at launch for Sixth Edition, as well as just so much extra content and it's presented to us as a summer campaign but if you read the introduction and this was something that i think gj you put me on here when gav thorpe is writing the introduction that this is really the third book that they wanted to do for chaos as well as a a ton of other stuff it's actually if you look at the um uh what's it called like the side of the cover the uh there's an english word for that i'm sure Oh, the spine uh, the spine, thanks, yeah. Uh, if you look at the spine, it will say Warhammer Armies, colon, Storm of Chaos. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's actually uh, presented here as an army book, both as in should. layout yeah. as a- and in function. Yeah, yeah. And that's really important because it is so much more than a summer campaign. And I, my, my big complaint, and I've had this complaint through every single one of these summer campaign episodes that I've done is that the summer is so short. It's so fleeting (laughs) and I want more, right? I want to, I want to do this for at least a quarter of the year, right? (laughs) At least uh, put another month or two on this. But I think for most players, you know, once you had this, you were going to play with it 
regardless of of the summer campaign ending. And I don't think that was always true, at least maybe for the early days, like for the Albion or Armageddon campaigns. Um, mm-hmm. So this book is broken up into a number of sections, the first of which tells us about the Storm of Chaos. This is kind of the very thin edge of the wedge that would become the end times so many years later we've always and i shouldn't say always but from kind of the hero hammer era onwards we got this sense of the world was slowly doomed right that that chaos one of these days was going to come down from the north and sweep everything before it and that one is always a little bit in the background, but this moved it to the foreground, right? This gave it its own special event where we didn't know what was going to become of the world should Archaon be successful. And that was kind of a really neat development. And our beginning section here talks about the the end times. It talks about Archaon, the champion of chaos. And he was introduced to us fairly recently in 5th edition, uh, one of the creations of uh, Thomas Pyrrhonin. Or tu- Thomas Pyrrhonin? I can Tw- never... Yes. Pr- I, I'm Pr- sorry. Uh, it, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah Thomas, everyone knows yeah. who I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, legendary the, the dude who made more time. Mm-hmm. The man. <laughs> mm-hmm. And he recently did a very good interview with the Flail of Skulls podcast. And if you haven't listened to that, absolutely check that out. But he was one of the characters that... Uh, uh, Thomas added to the game and he wanted basically a answer for Tyrion mm-hmm. uh, so a, a real champion of chaos to, to you know to fight the champions of, of, of good and boy did he ever make one uh, as Archaon has quite the resume by this point in time now what I wanted to talk to you guys about because we're not going to go over the, the the whole lore but we'll we'll put it into to a perspective for people who may not be as familiar with the Storm of Chaos. Archaon was a Templar of the Empire. He was a knight. Uh, he comes across a, a blasphemous heretical tome that kind of makes the scales fall from his eyes. He learns a terrible truth about the gods. And he goes crazy, basically, Uh, makes his way to the realm of chaos and just starts putting people on notice. Just he creates his warband, the Swords of Chaos, and he decides that he is going to kind of bring the truth of chaos to the world. And that's a a really interesting type of uh, character development. But. This Storm of Chaos, I think, did something that was just so clever in that this isn't Archaon just coming down from the north to, you know, wipe out the entire old world or whatever. This is Archaon coming down from the north with a very specific vendetta. He is not a fan of Sigmar uh, because he used to be he used to serve Sigmar, he used to be a knight in the Empire, uh, and he feels betrayed and the best way he can get revenge on Sigmar is not to destroy temples of Sigmar or cast down Sigmar's champions. It's to kill Sigmar's god in Ulrich, the being that Sigmar worshipped, one of the oldest deities of the old world and uh, patron god of the Knights of the White Wolf in Middenheim. 
within Middenheim, there is a eternal flame of Ulrich. And Archeon plans to walk up to it, stand in it, and thereby corrupt the flame of Ke- uh, the flame of Ulrich and destroy him, basically. And as far as vendettas go, how wonderfully personal is that? How just nasty. Like, you have to be in a real mood, right? <laughs> to, to, to think of that. And, that, and I and love every, that. And every yeah. hour of every day in that mood. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's been brooding about this for yeah. hundreds of years, right? It's it's incredible. What did you guys think of the fluff of Storm of Chaos? I love it. I can't get enough of it. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, I I, I read this book uh, again for the first time in years in preparation of this episode, and I was just uh, taken aback with the the whole story and the narrative. And of course, the narrative stops before the campaign actually begins. You get mm-hmm. a, a couple of battles, and then. That's it. You have to fight the rest. And I was just like, "Oh man, I want to read <laughs> yeah. how how this plays out, how how it how it finishes." Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's a it's a great setup. Absolutely mm-hmm. brilliant. Yeah. That's right. It's kind of like the opening to Lord of the Rings. What a great opening scene. And I don't mean how it plays out, but how it affects you. It's like that was one of the best yeah. opening scenes of any movie I've ever seen. Yeah. That big battle. I think the Lord of the Rings. Uh, comparison is pretty apt there scott because you 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 bring up something that i wanted to mention and this is the first shot kind of of what would later become the end times and i know this campaign much like the eye of terror campaign didn't really work out like games workshop wanted it to work out it wasn't all that close you know when when played out by the the players but what i find interesting about it is that unlike end times which is kind of this incredible mess of a story. It's just, you know, it's all over the place because they're they're ending a setting. They want everyone to have a cameo. They want everyone to do a thing. They, they have to go all over the world and have all sorts of weird and wild things happen. This is so beautifully focused down that mm-hmm. I, I'm really... It makes for such a incredible story. So when you bring up The Lord of the Rings... There's so much that we just don't see in the Lord of the Rings. It's it's happening kind of off screen, but you know there's this whole War of the Ring happening. You see some of the most pivotal parts of it. And again, like this story, it focuses on the pivotal parts. It We know that there's things going on. We know that there's w- wars happening all over the old world, in Ulthuan, in the new world. But this is giving us something to focus on and... By doing that, it made a much more enthralling story than I think that the end times did, because the end times was such oh, yeah. a scattered, yeah. uh, bloated beast of a of a thing. Um, I do like that we get the section about the world engulfed to just set up the fact that, okay, I'm a Lizardman player and you're a Dark Elf player. We are on the other side of the world, but hey, these things are maybe a little bit more connected, right? You with the cult of Sinesh, looking for oh, artifacts yeah. of the Slan. I just like that they they took the time and said, "Hey, you know what? You guys, you're not you're not the main characters, but you're still important." Yeah, and that wasn't done well in almost any of the other summer campaigns that we've looked at. Even something that was in similar scope, like Eye of Terror. If you were not a uh, sp- uh, Imperial Chaos or Eldar player, you didn't really feel like you had a 
place in that game right like your orcs could be you know mercenaries or whatever they could just be causing trouble and you could count it but yeah yeah yeah, but it just didn't feel like you had any real stake and i'm i'm glad that they took at least a little bit of the page space here to say hey important things are going on all over the world here you know you you should get out your guys and fight (laughs) basically that's kind of interesting also just on a general sense of between 40k and fantasy why i think we are all drawn to fantasy lore more is because it's one one world it's easier to write about it with all these factions and races Mm -hmm. where they're all sharing this one world and one fate where you know 40k is like maybe the universe is the big world but in in a sense yeah you're you're right it's um you can it's nice to see that they wrote in every race because I I never I could have played wood elves and I've been I would have been like yeah the wood elves have the lore of the world roots they can show up anywhere basically yeah and some of the world roots die and they they need to maybe one of the missions would have been like um, restore the the world roots south or north or whatever so there's yeah. there's just so much yeah so yeah. much going on that it, your brain goes like on overload and this is obviously <laughs> the storm of chaos is that brain overload took them three years to write into a concentrated and and each page on in this book is not wasted space. It's like quality. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what? I, I'm I'm glad mm. you mentioned that, Scott. Let's take let's take this early opportunity because even in the first like six or seven pages, we get some incredible art. Yes, some of the best art of the era. Alex Boyd does the cover. We have. Paul Danton, Dave Gallagher, he's a classic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Ian Miller, all these guys. Like, everything in this book is beautiful. The Chaos Forces look terrifying in this book. Mm. And I think this was... The the 6th edition Chaos book does a good job, Mm -hmm. but not quite to this level. Like, some of the Chaos spreads that we see in this look terrifying. They look like they're here to end the world. And that's that's wild. I, I'm more of a you know hero hammer cartoony guy as far as 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 my art goes. Yeah. But I've got so much time for this. Yeah, so exactly, much time. Yeah. It's it's incredible. Some of the things they they yeah, put together. One, one still so, image so shows much you everything. On. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Like, if you go to page twelve, it shows. I, I think that's the best picture of Archeon. He's on foot, and there's this aura of smoke spewing from him, and he's held, holding heads up, and it's just. And it's his, his horse is actually off to the side, and there's two minions trying to keep the horse at bay. It's it's just incredible. Oh yes, I yeah. love love it's that just picture. Like unreal, what's going on there? Yeah, I mean, imagine yeah, being so so many of those great drawings in there. My, my mm. favorite one, if I may, uh, yeah, leave ahead a little bit, is um, uh, what well, I was actually. Two uh, in the <laughs> in the middle middleland uh, section. Oh, There's yeah. the one with the the big cannon that's being loaded by a giant with all the teams <laughs> of horses underneath on the uh, that's so good. The lazy Susan and and the <laughs> other one with the uh, flarekin just uh, scaling the walls. And you see those uh, uh, the, the, the little bit of middleland architecture there. Those those Swiss looking. Uh, houses where you have like wooden beams uh, interlaced in the stone. Uh, so much going on in those pictures. You can, you can just 
sit there, stare at a picture for maybe 10, 15 minutes and keep seeing new things. It's, right. it's like mm-hmm. a story in and of itself. I yeah. Just noticed, I just noticed um, page 36. They're showing maps like page 36 and 37. It's That looks like 5th edition maps. I never noticed that till now. It's like the older, brighter green color. And they're not. it's not like... If you look at most 6th edition maps, they're all just flat color yeah, interesting. Yeah, it shows I the em- yeah, the yeah. Sea of Claws, the Empire. It just it's very more fifth edition looking. Mm-hmm. Kind of right in the middle of it. Yeah, there's. I don't think there's a, a bad piece of art in this book. I, I'm glad you mentioned the stuff in the Empire section because that giant and the giant cannon is <laughs> wonderful. It, it's one of those beautiful illustrations that makes you think, oh right, humans in the old world don't think like humans in our world right there there, there's something there's something different about the the way that they develop and the and the way they develop develop technology and stuff where yeah of course a a cannon that could be loaded by a giant what a great idea that is yeah i guess it's that it's that freedom of that fantasy uh that i i think is is wonderful and it adds because so much of of this is is really low gritty like you know, in the in the trenches, in the dirt kind of fantasy story. And then you see, yeah, a giant loading a huge cannon that's the size of almost a... Probably if you stood it up, at least like a 20-story building. Hmm. And yeah, you're just reminded like, oh, right, yeah, this is... There is still incredible things that exist in this world. Uh, one that I'll point out for uh, as one of my favorites is on uh, page 39... It's an Empire cannon battery, mm. and it's about to be overrun by uh, some very nasty-looking Chaos Warriors. Looks like Marauders or something. Yeah, and I, warriors. I love just this this guy going at this Chaos Warrior with, you know, a stick in his torch, right? Like, He's the got, stuff he was using to, yeah. to load the cannon. And you know he is dead. Like, yeah. the Zero moment the top, that though. Flail descends, that man is dead, followed quickly by all of his friends, but... I just there's something about that desperation yeah. in it, and it's it's dark and it's it's beautiful. Uh, I, I, yeah, the, I the darkness and the grimness. You can see him just like, you know, he gets knocked down, and the chaos warrior is just about to like decapitate him, and then he spits in his face or something. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what it would be, right? Like he's a hundred percent going to die, but he's yeah. you know, I love that stuff. Right? Yeah, it's really really great. Um, so let's get back on to the lore here for a second there's a couple things that i wanted to to mention as well we get of course the uh a world engulfed section that tells us what uh the lizardmen and the dark elves and the bretonians are up to with a new errantry war the high elves sending over the uh the sea guard and the the to patrol the sea of claws so it gives us a, a great a great kind of uh setup for this and then we get into afterwards the idea of this grand alliance that is that has kind of been formed with between the Empire and Bretonia and the High Elves, as well as Kislev. But Kislev is a very interesting nation in this scenario because Kislev kind of gets bypassed, which is really interesting. We get the fall of Erengrad before we even start the campaign. Archeon is is kind of on the borders of the empire itself and i understand that kislev at this point doesn't have the model support to 
you know, be a real active part of this campaign for the players. I just thought it was an interesting choice that they decided that, oh, no, no, like this time, unlike the the first Great War Against Chaos, where it was fought mainly in Kislev, this time we're, we're bringing the fight right to the Empire. It's right on their doorstep. What did you guys think about that choice in particular? It's interesting you talk, you mentioned the model line. I never, for some reason, I part of me thinks that doesn't stop GW because they would just paint up a bunch of guys. I don't know. They usually do the work. As you can see, they made a whole like Slanesh cult army and whatnot. I don't know. I feel like Chaos learned their lesson because that, that Kislev battle really slowed them down. <laughs> maybe maybe it's a, a tactical decision. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, it, it works with the lore, right? Where Archaon is just like, no, no, no. I'm coming for you, right, Ulrich? Right, like, yeah. I, I'm going to get you. And direct. he doesn't really care about Kislev, I guess. Or yeah. he's, he just, maybe he just figures that if Middenheim falls, kind of, you know, everything in the north will eventually fall. It doesn't really matter. And he does send armies to besiege Prague and Kislev. And Erengrad is sacked. So it's it's not like he, he totally ignores Kislev. Because he still has to kind of fight through it. But I just thought it was an interesting thing that we we have this nation that is kind of the bulwark against chaos for most of its existence and in the campaign they're just like oh yeah he just kind of marched through it it's yeah. fine <laughs> Ov- overrun in the prologue yeah yeah exactly uh, i think it's uh, it's mostly to advance the story nathan because right. um uh, i think gislav was uh, this gislav supplement was uh, released in 03 um so they should have had all those models back then for oh you're right that was before this wasn't it mm-hmm. yeah i was thinking it was afterwards but you're right so they did have at least like their allied contingent stuff yeah um hmm. that's really interesting yeah it must it must have just made more sense to to the it's plot to probably to to just up the threat to the empire by starting the campaign with uh, archaeon already inside or on the borders of the empire mm-hmm. just uh needing to march a little bit further to uh, to Middenheim. Yeah, I guess yeah. the question is, do we think it's an inconsistency or intentional, I guess? The... I, I, I would say probably an intentional thing. Yeah. Maybe it's, and maybe as well as GJ saying with the, just moving the story forward and because you've mm-hmm. only got two months to have this, you know, this big campaign for the the future of the Empire. Right. Um, maybe it's it's just a an easy way to, to do that. And the fact that not many people had Kislev to begin with, right. It yeah, was, it was a very point. niche thing. Yep. So maybe it, it does make sense to just say, Hey, they're, they're fighting, but you know, they're not going to be main characters in this story. Yeah. Um, so one of the things that we get as we move into the first section, which is legions of chaos, we actually get a little bit more lore for, for this campaign as well as a little map of how the chaos invasion is split. And I like that once it gets to the Empire, it splits into four sections. So we see uh, like a horde of Zinch, Korn, Nurgle, and Slanesh. And we can kind of see where they're going and where they're going to maybe meet up with the Empire armies that are rushing to reinforce these places. Uh, Talibheim looks like it's it's getting a, a face full of Nurgle pretty soon. Um, Archaon's Swords of Chaos are going straight over the Middle Mountains to get to uh, Mindenheim as quick as possible, and Zinch kind of rounding out the north. I like this a lot. It shows you also the uh, the dwarfs of Karak Kadrin on a 
collision course with Grimgore's uh, wall as it comes down from the north. This I is a... hate Grimgore so much. <laughs> I, I, so because of this Storm of Chaos, we recently played it. When I get into something, I'd like to go full in if there's something available. So Total War is a really good example of Storm of Chaos. It feels mm-hmm. like it. Anyway, oh my god, Grimgore will not die. I can't. He just he, his yeah, um, he's the best. Oh, I hate it. It's, <laughs> as soon as I knock him down, you know how you he gets like. Back up again. Well, he, he, he comes right. He comes right back. But like, for example, my Durthu character mm-hmm. takes five turns to come back. Grimgore is like one, Ooh. and it's driving me insane. I can't beat him. Oh, yeah. He's he's chaos. And like, meanwhile, <laughs> Archeon End Times is actually on the way towards us. And I'm just, I'm just hoping, like, please take out Grimgore and Archeon. <laughs> please take out Grimgore. Okay, I need one problem to solve another problem, yeah. please. Yeah. Because <laughs> he's got, uh, he just got uh, Wurzog. Oh, okay. A- as an ally. And they're coming from the south. And, oh, it's just, I'm going crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. It feels like the Storm of Chaos, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, this, this uh, little section on Legions of Chaos here kind of fills in the story of Archeon. And this is a story that is told in pretty much every subsequent Warriors of Chaos book, both in 7th edition and 8th edition. So it's not really something we have to go over here. He goes around, he collects the treasures of the gods and does a bunch of stuff until he gets crowned as the ever-chosen by Bellicor, who is very sore about it. <laughs> and uh, yeah, It's alright, he's got a new model now. So. It is a great story. If you haven't read it, do read it. He Archeon... Uh, and I, I give him a lot of crap because he did blow up the world that I love, but uh, he is a, a very well-developed and interesting character. One thing that I wanted to talk to you about before we get to the actual Archeon's Legion list itself was, I think, the first part of the book that kind of made me uh, my jaw drop when I when I read it, and that was Volkmar's Challenge. I love this little... It's kind of a little aside story that you... Uh, that you can look at Volkmar gets together an army that uh, marches north to kind of try and cut the head off the beast before it invades the empire. He tries to kill Archaon and he goes up with his war altar and he's got an army of flagellants and kind of religious fanatics and Archaon just uh, kind of single hits Volton. <laughs> and destroys him kills his war altar and destroys his army and that was quite a thing to just drop on us as we were going through this book just oh hey you know that very famous character from the empire that you know and love yeah we just just flat out killed him yeah in 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 two sentences but Mm -hmm. that's not even the worst of it because (laughs) the story ends with uh, Folkmar's body being picked up, and um, it's uh, Bellacor, I believe, who turns him into his own yeah. personal battle standards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I loved that so much. Uh, and we'll 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 talk about that, I think, in a little bit when we get to the demonic legions. But yeah, that was a, a part of the um, a part of the the lore. And remember, this is going into sixth edition from from the Hero Hammer era. I'm really not used to, I guess, young Nathan at this point isn't used to Games Workshop playing for keeps with their characters. So seeing this, I was like, oh my god. I, what, what do you mean? They can die? <laughs> like, <laughs> Which sounds silly, but 
it it, it was kind of a uh, a revelation to to me as a uh, as a teenager that that games workshop might actually kill off a character and not a character who was you know famously dead like someone like captain Tycho or uh you know like the historical the more historical characters but someone from the the modern era i think this is important because it sets up our hero valton right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and i really want to talk about valton when we get if you can one hit this guy yeah who's going to stand in the way so it sets up this um just it sets up the excitement a bit more, yeah. the intensity and the drama. The, that's the word, drama. And it does make <laughs> Archaon look like a very credible threat. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, this the lore section for the Legions uh, talks about Archaon's champions as well, which are, they're all quite cool. There's uh, some, some great actual models that, that kind of became Chaos Lords, you know, and were sold for, for quite a few years afterwards. Uh, except for the corn guy, Haragoth, the bloodied one, who was a conversion from about four or five different kits, but still looked pretty cool. Um, yeah. Yeah. F- funny story about this. Um, I was reading this book, uh, like I said, in preparation for the show. And my uh, well, one year and nine months old daughter was uh, looking with me at the pictures and... I told her when I was reading through the, the Grimgore's Art Boys list, uh, I told her, well, that's an orc. So she was saying, orc, orc. And then we flipped over to this page with the four uh, Chaos Champions. And she pointed at those, and she also said orc. <laughs> so I told my wife that, and <laughs> I, I, I told her, uh, yeah, well, uh, Lizzie said, these look like orcs. And then my wife, she she looks at this picture and she says in all seriousness, seriousness, yeah, of course, they look exactly the same, all those miniatures. Oh, no! And I was like, <laughs> no, what are you doing to me? <laughs> oh. oh, I'm so sorry, GJ. That that must have been hard. That is that is brutal. Uh, I've accepted my fate. <laughs> I can see... I could just see you like hang your head and walk in the other room slowly. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'll go change this diaper now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Just, okay. The real victory here is is my kid uh, recognizing orcs. Yeah, that man. is a victory. You can't. That's amazing. Yeah, you can't downplay that. That's important. That's important. They all look the same. Oh my god, <laughs> that's traumatic. <laughs> okay. Let's uh, let's move on here to the very first set of rules that we get. Vardek Krom, Herald of Archaon. This guy is a lot of fun. He is a a little bit better Chaos Lord, kind of a Chaos Lord plus one, which is already in a very impressive stat line. But I guess what I always found interesting about Krom, and I, I played him uh, until his unfortunate demise <laughs> in our Storm of Chaos what campaign, a great story that executed was. by treacherous, evil, uh, nasty elves, and he's he's kind of a bargain, honestly, for what he gives you. He's two hundred and thirty points. He doesn't have a single magic item, but what he does is he has some cool special rules, specifically his way of the warrior which mm-hmm. is really cool you can choose between basically an uh, offensive and defensive stance in one he uses two hand weapons and in the other he uses 
a hand weapon and a shield. So you can have a very good save or you can have uh, six attacks. I usually chose six attacks because... Yeah, he's a whirlwind of death, this guy. Oh, he did some terrible things to a Slayer regiment. Just chopped them to bits. Nice. And what is really cool about this special rule is it also allows you to nullify your opponent's weapons. So any time that you're fighting against a character with a magical weapon, it becomes a mundane version of that weapon instead. And then it's kind of just a straight up you versus that character. And Krom is a better Chaos Lord. He's going to win 9 out of 10 fights from what I found playing this campaign. He was an absolute joy to use as a as a character and i'm i I apologize crom i didn't mean to get you killed it just kind of (laughs) happened but he was his body count was off the charts i i think he is an incredible character and he's a lot of fun to play he is suspiciously cheap and you think like you look at him and you're just like oh he's got nothing magical doesn't need it he will just beat anyone straight up um i love him just love him he's the point his points value should be i think a lot of the characters in six needed a bit of a reduction um a re like some of them need to be revisited because you're paying like a lot of points sometimes for a character that will die fast Mm -hmm. so yeah i mean he might be on the cheap but at the same time i'm like i'd like to see it i'd like to see that happen yeah yeah you know well it's a chaos thing too right yeah the great thing about running like Krom's army as part of the legions of chaos was i knew i was taking Krom as my lord and we were doing mm-hmm. 2000 points so i was just taking a single lord mm-hmm. what that meant though was that i had a lot of points that yeah. i wasn't spending on characters and that was actually really nice i had a horde in games that felt and played like an actual horde there That's was cool. no none of the games where i was outnumbered which is such That's a nice rare. change right yeah. like it's I did take a lot of Marauders to, to boost my numbers, but I also got a lot of, you know, really good Chaos Warriors and Chaos Knights. and Yeah. I like your army a lot because it feels right for Krom, like mm-hmm. Marauders, and they just be following him around. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. Like, can't wait to fight. He is, a, he is great. As Archaeon's lieutenant, he is, he is wonderful. Uh, he's a bit of a simple character, right? There's not much to his lore. You know, he was a, a big warlord in his own right, and then he met Archaeon and, and realized that, like, Archaeon was... Uh, 10 times cooler than him so he was like okay i'm gonna be your herald i'm gonna you know yeah. uh i'm gonna lead this army in your name and he goes around and, and does that and yeah i just think he's a a solid character all around i think he's one of the best in this book yeah yeah and he's got a great model too he does oh, looks really great. super threatening cool. that's uh that's a model that that i'm going to to seek out at some point and and, and wait find. a second i'm just looking at the image of him he's facing off against grimgore yeah <laughs> And Krom's foot is on an empire head, and and Grimgore is carrying an empire head. Yeah. Oh <laughs> my gonna... god, yes. <laughs> yes. It looks like they're showing each other the, yeah. the, the guys that they the can... Trophies, Oh yeah. my god. <laughs> my elector counts better than yours. I wonder, like... this is... I see, I was thinking they were about to fight, but maybe they're just friends now, and they're just like, they're just like, look at this helmet, and maybe they're going to swap helmets. Like, it's, it's like they're collecting the whole set. Because I think one of them's a knight's panther. Yeah. Oh, maybe they're both Knights Panther. Okay. Yeah. I I, so. I'm. I'm not sure. I think Grimgor is holding a. Uh, um, I think Krom has a Griffin. Uh, a helmet with a lion on it. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 So that wouldn't be the Knights Panther. That'd be the Reichsguard, right? It's so funny. In the red and white. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, so maybe they maybe they're collectors and they have a set. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. This is the best thing ever. I I just want to read this story about them being buddies and like yeah. swapping uh, battle trophies and stuff. That would yeah. be a good fight. Eh? Yeah. Well, they fought to a standstill after like yeah. five hours. Yeah. Except Grimgore's army fled, so he had to. Uh, they... <laughs> he had to leave. Yeah. And he was very upset about war. it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he had to make up a story about why he was still undefeated. That's Grimgore. that's it, yeah. <laughs> so cool. Um, Alright, next up, the Hell Cannon of Chaos. What an icon this thing is. This is what I think of when I think Storm of Chaos, as far as models go. Models that were released around it. This thing is beautiful, and... I should uh, take a moment to to make a special shout out here, and uh, this is uh, this is one of Scott's old buddies and uh, great uh, uh, friend of the show now, maybe the show's best friend, honestly. <laughs> uh, and his name is Justin, and he is uh, a listener. I believe he was telling me that he's in Ontario right now. Yeah, is that right? We, yeah, we're we're hoping you'll move back this <laughs> way. I was like, move back here, man. Yeah. He's like, I'm trying. <laughs> and uh, he listened to one of the episodes where I was talking about having made my own kind of uh, clay version of the the Hell Cannon, my my big derpy demon engine. And he decided uh, in his infinite generosity to send me a Hell Cannon. And that is incredibly generous. So thank you so much, Justin. Scott's got it now. Awesome. And uh, allegedly he is going to drop it off at some point. I, I... Today. <laughs> oh, my goodness. OK. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. No, it's mostly that that I haven't really been around all that much. But yeah. Uh, so a huge thank you, Justin. That is so wonderful. So generous. I know how expensive this model is on the secondary market. And you are a uh, a, a king amongst men for for just being like, hey, you can have this. I'm not using it. So uh, a big thank you there. But let's talk about the Hell Cannon and just how much fun this thing is. Man, if Krom was was the MVP of my horde, I think the Hell Cannon was like my favorite thing in the horde because it always did something even when it was eating my own guys. It was always <laughs> it was it was just always getting stuff done. This thing, firstly, toughness seven with six wounds Oof. is an absolute beastly profile. Most like no one even tried to kill this thing <laughs> because yeah. they were just like, yeah. it's not going to die. Uh, 270 points, though. Uh, so all of those points that I saved by taking Krom, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they all kind of went on this thing. Uh, however, however, worth every penny in my uh, estimation when it works and it'll work more than you think it just picks up almost entire units at a time it's terrifying yeah. it's basically a stone thrower except that anything that is at under the template at all takes a strength 10 hit so it is a much better stone thrower Oof. but honestly even better than that is the fact that you can re-roll the scatter die mm-hmm. so it is so much more accurate and it just terrifies people and it, for good reason, because yeah, it'll, it'll, it doesn't care how strong or how tough your unit is. It will pick it up. It does D six wounds. It's terrifying. And I think easily the, the most maybe powerful, uh, war machine 
of its era. It may definitely in sixth edition, right? I can't think of anything the more only powerful thing, than this. Yeah, the only thing the power is different to compare, but it's still powerful is the goblin hewer. It's very, very strong. That's funny. I never think of the Goblin Hewer when I'm thinking of like yeah. war machines from this it's, era. It's incredibly yeah. good. Um, I, I'm going to say pound for pound, they're probably equal. Um, you can get a lot of... The only thing is, is that you can always kill something with the, your cannon, whereas the Hewer needs some um, ranks. Mm-hmm. Spe- it's more specific, but it is deadly. Right, gotcha. Yeah, this is one of those things where I think it was a needed addition to warriors of chaos or specifically i guess the hordes of chaos sixth ed book and just because the army in itself has such anemic shooting mm-hmm. right there's marauders who can throw javelins or axes axes yeah 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 that's about it like there's really I do not enjoy a good... good throwing axe but yeah, yeah. the cannon in the, in the canon's lore is fantastic with mm-hmm. dwar- chaos dwarves. That's so cool. Yeah, yeah. Great way to bring chaos dwarves back into the mix and modernize their look for 6th edition. And they were... They were actually the only chaos dwarves all the way up until 8th yeah. edition when the, mm-hmm. the Temakam book hit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it. And you can see where they influenced the Forge World chaos dwarves that would come later. Yeah. Which yeah. is really yeah. nice. I love that chaos dwarf with the shovel. It's like one side yeah. is a spade and then the other side is just like a jabby like knife yeah. thing. Like it's it, yeah. everything about them looks cruel and nasty. And that's exactly how chaos dwarves should always be. Uh, of course, they would have been better if they had giant hats. But, you no. know, we've no. we've litigated this before. No. <laughs> <laughs> Do like what everybody does. Get some dwarves and put some of those uh, push pins <laughs> in their hats. <laughs> Oh man, Night, I, I hope that guy never listens to this podcast. He brought this up like five you know times what? now. Greg would appreciate this podcast, but I'm sorry I didn't like your pushpins, Greg. He is an amazing conversionist. He converts so much stuff. He's working on an old um, Gene Stealer called Army or a Gene Stealer Army, and it's brilliant. He gets anyway, but yeah, the pushpin hats didn't do it for me, buddy. <laughs> uh, it is a very innovative idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the Hellcannon, though, I guess. What I love about it most is just the fact that it gives you another threat for your hordes of chaos. Yeah. Something else for your opponent to think about. A nice big piece of artillery. It's a real set piece. A real, uh, you know, something to, that draws the eye and just looks beautiful. Yeah. I, uh, great, great unit. Take a look, by the way, at those um, uh, what's what's written right beneath these deadlines. Zero to one hell cannon of chaos may be taken in a mortal chaos army, counting as two rare choices. Yeah. Oh, you know what? And, and, I, I... and then let your eye wander to the bottom of that page, where there's a picture of a battery of three hell cannons <laughs> all firing simultaneously. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. That's um, a good point, team, DJ. Team game, bro. Team game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah what we don't know is that those are all three hell cannons like there's just the three of them that's it yeah 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 that's a a good point i actually never noticed that it was two rare choices i it was the only rare choice i think i took so i it wasn't like i was breaking the rules or anything but it uh yeah don't you have access to three in 2000 yeah no two i believe oh is it just two okay wow well i'm glad that it was the only rare choice that i took yeah cool that's Uh, that's it might, might differ Army, but uh... no, it's the same. You're right. Yeah, yeah. 
All right, then we get into the Archaeon's Horde list. This is a subsect of the Hordes of Chaos with the demons removed, because, well, we would come to the demons later on. And these guys are kind of exactly what you would think. It's all the mortal human followers of Chaos. But we do get the new units thrown in there, the Flayer Kin, which we'll come to, the Hell Cannon, and, of course, the characters, so Archaeon and Krom. And this was a fun list to choose from for myself personally, but it was... I did feel that a little bit of a lack of... I, I would have loved to have just thrown in, you know, some beastmen or some demons as as something kind of a uh, a palate cleanser, right? Just yep. just something to, to <clears throat> make it a little bit more interesting, a little bit more diverse. I love the horde aspect of it, though. It does look really good on the tabletop. The only thing I didn't use at some point were the Flarekin. And that was mm-hmm. just because the campaign didn't go on long enough for me to make models for them. And they were the least kind of interesting. Not the least interesting, but just the, they would have been the most work to make, I guess. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, And they're basically siege equipment. Mm-hmm. That's the other thing. They're kind of of limited use if you're not playing a siege game. Um, the only thing that I didn't like about this army was that, yeah, you couldn't include demons or beasts of chaos everything else i loved also it gave you a real benefit to taking big meaty units Mm. in that if you take marauders in 25 or more you get a free standard bearer so that's what i did with all of my marauder regiments they were all 25 uh you actually got a free command i should say and warriors chaos numbering 16 or more you get that free command so it's all these little Uh, efficiencies that help you get more out of the army i'm actually thinking nathan that's something we could do for the orchard oh yeah well because it if you lose those banners to your opponent you get they get 100 points Mm -hmm. so i think i i'd like the idea of that free reduction for a certain amount of numbers yeah that's something to think about certainly Yeah, this was definitely done, I think, to... Uh, definitely, I think, those two don't go together. Um, <laughs> I, I think this was done to um, encourage people to take large blocks and yeah. actually have that horde feel. Yeah. It's called Archaeus Horde for a, re- for a reason. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It certainly did for, for me. Like, I, I loved having that extra points because... Each of these squads, you know, it was, I think, 20-something points for the Marauders that you saved. It was 30-odd for the Chaos Warriors. It's stuff that really adds up. Yeah. yeah. And that was that was really nice. This is a, a great little army. Honestly, though, not my favorite <clears throat> in the book. It was tons of fun to play, and I wanted to play an evil faction that I could kind of get together pretty quick. So that's why I chose it. But it's not... Yeah, not not... I think the most interesting of right. the list. It's yeah. a bit of push and play, but you have, like you said, you you're da- adding the cannon. You have mm-hmm. a couple other things that are fun, but yeah, it's a bit of, um, you know, go forward. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. In the next page, we get our first scenario, Halting the Tide. This was actually the first game I played. Uh, Jesse and I did this one. And, oh, uh, nice. yeah, should yeah, yeah, should have yeah. read the, the scenario a little bit more closely. <laughs> this one, you you honestly just want anything mounted, because yep. if it's not mounted, it's not going to get there in time to actually win you the game. It's very tough or movement spells. Yeah. Basically, for this, you have a Archaeon's Horde army that recycles. So you if a, a regiment is destroyed, you 
put it back on the table the next turn. And the defenders have to hold out as long as they can. Now, Jesse had a, a good dwarf army for doing this. And as we all know, dwarfs are uh, somewhat or stubborn. Stalwart. Yeah. Stalwart. Yeah. So he uh, he did very well in this one. But uh, it's it's lots and lots of fun. And uh, oh, you know this, what? This is. Are you sure? Hal- no, it's not halting scenario the time. Because, the, yeah, uh... I just started reading it and I'm realizing that that was not the right scenario. It's later on, I think. That it's six turns or eight turns or ten. Yeah, turns the, yeah, yeah. It's it's specifically from the waste, uh, that's the one you're, from the waste. Thank you, GJ. Okay, yeah, yeah. Sorry. So the the halting the tide scenario is the one where you have double the points of as oh, the right. horde player, right. uh, and your yeah. your opponent basically is trying to kill as many of your things as possible in that. Um, so they're they're trying to to make that valiant last stand, uh, which is a really cool idea, honestly. Below that, we get the Flayerkin. Really cool idea. Marauders that have been mutated by uh, Clan Molder and and messed with genetically and uh, put knives and climbing instruments where their stump hands used to be. They're actually horrific, honestly. Yeah. There's a lot of body horror that uh, goes with the Flayerkin. They also have giant chains like attached to their spine, and they're meant for climbing the walls of Middenheim basically dying but then acting yeah. as a rope for other uh chaos warriors and stuff to follow it's it's awful but That's they're cool. really cool would have loved to have played these in an actual siege game because it's really what they're meant for but uh yeah so they're again a, a really cool unit there afterwards i love by the way how in this book uh you get a lot of those tips for building your own stuff and converting mm. them they're, a, they're just uh, showing you how that they how they made those fair yeah. again with mm-hmm. uh, some of the some best conversions and some marauder bits and stuff. Yeah. yeah, some of the best conversions are in this book. Like, look at the uh, Slanesh chariots and stuff. It's just unreal. Yeah, 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 yeah. The the flayerkin. What I love most about them is the use of the orc bodies to give them these hunched, grotesque, yeah. but like overly muscled forms, and they look horrific. Like they just. Yeah. They look like these awful things that, that, you know, if they could talk, they would just tell you to kill them, right? Like, you would just yeah. be like, kill them. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 I, I do love it, though. An underrated uh, way to make models, I guess, back in the day. And I guess you could, uh, you probably can't do that today because none of those old orc sculpts are still in production. But take giving those orc sculpts, like, human flesh tones right. made them just look awful right like they just look so horrific and like broken yeah yeah like and it's not just human flesh tones it's like very pale human flesh Mm -hmm. tones yes it's uh this is almost uh going to white like like the kind of flesh you would use on a vampire yeah yeah yeah, Yeah, right that the the type that looks really unhealthy right you're just like oh i don't want this thing touching i don't want to be around it i'm gonna catch something yeah 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 absolutely beautiful yeah this is one of those books that you can't read without getting inspiration for something exactly like you, yeah. you think about it and you're just like oh i could do i could do this whole thing my my honestly my besides hobbying my biggest inspiration for this book is when we play sixth edition now i want people to take these lists i don't care if it's stronger what i don't even care it's so cool Mm. see them on the table like if i'm have if i have a normal wood elf army or actually what else is a bad example because they're OP anyway. <laughs> but, uh, 
But um, any other army, yeah, just it's such a good supplement in that the rules are tight. They are flu- super flavorful. This is kind of where I think it would have been cool with if every book eventually from six got this, like a little bit of additional lists and stuff. Mm-hmm. But it, mm-hmm. yeah, this is enough. This is more than enough to uh, keep us busy for a long yeah. time. Can you imagine if you had an era like sixth edition, but it got the support that like a modern day 40 K gets with yeah. all the campaign books and everything. Like I was thinking about this earlier before the show started, man, I, what I wouldn't have given for a campaign book. That was the, uh, the temple of Cain versus yep. the cult of Slanesh and like the shadow war. Yeah. Right. Sure, Marathi's man. followers versus Hellbrons, And yep. you could get into, yeah, the various differences in the dark elves and, oh man, just some of the stuff that we just never got. Right. Yep. <laughs> that you would think about now and you're just like, man, wow. Oh, it would have been the best. But that's also something typical of GW. They give you so much content uh, that that's like barely fleshed out. Mm-hmm. Right. And basically in this era, they're saying, well, here are ideas. Uh, do your thing with it. Go ahead. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And honestly, they 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 started that, that's kind of a proud tradition of theirs. And they, <clears> it's <throat> only been recently that they've started kind of almost over explaining some stuff. Yeah. Uh, you know, where you get the the especially for 40k and uh to a lesser extent age of sigmar where they 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 tell you exactly what's happening in all of these places and for the longest time right it was just it was paragraphs right like paragraphs or sentences that could inspire entire armies yeah that people did and and entire projects because of some throwaway line that an author put in a book or something (laughs) and i mean that's incredible right like you want to walk that tightrope between knowing enough to get excited but having enough of uh, enough left in the dark to make it your own right where you can yeah. say oh yeah like if i'm making this army this you know this guy is uh you know the second in command of of the cult of slanesh or something but besides marathi because you know nobody knows that right yeah they yeah. put care it puts new character on mm-hmm. new different units and mm-hmm. yeah your focus is not just it's like like you said before, underlying storylines behind the scenes, like in Lord of the Rings, what's yeah, going on behind exactly, the scenes. Exactly, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. It really stimulates creativity. Exactly, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I've, I've just made an executive decision, gentlemen. Uh, this is actually going to be a three-part look at, <laughs> because I'm just doing the math and how quickly we're not going through this book. <laughs> And uh, yeah, so you know what? Let's let's do another little bit. See if we can get through sure. the demons, and then sure. we'll uh, yeah. we'll leave the we'll leave the empire for that's, part two, and then we'll probably hit on the rest part three. Yeah, because then like we have to talk about when we end up getting with slayers and vampire counts. Because I had games like the game versus my the army of Sylvania versus the Slayer army. I could talk about that game for a long time. It oh was yeah, really, yeah. It's it's amazing that like because it showed the how both lists worked and it was fantastic. And we're so, gonna... ladies and gentlemen, what Scott is saying is that this is going to be at least a three-part episode. <laughs> well, let's not forget, GJ, you were the moderator on the uh, the Wog. <laughs> oh yeah, of course. Uh, so I, I mean, we're gonna have an episode for for, for yeah. that, I think too. <laughs> it's it's incredible though yeah. because this is this is what I'm saying about this supplement is that for the other three campaigns of this golden era. I felt like I was able to at least give a good synopsis and and take 
the audience through what was in the their books for the most part in a single episode yeah and then when i was going through this one again i was just like i i don't know if i can do this like just in general there's so much here um we have a lot of it's incredible freedom of speech in our podcast we do yes (laughs) we do and uh (laughs) i appreciate that the most about it so next up we get the story of the fall of aaron grad and the one thing i'm going to say about kind of kislev and aaron grad and and this this little vignette is is you know is quite good it gives you an idea of of how the city fell if you're really interested you get really into the lore around storm of chaos the third edition of Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay, that was the uh, Fantasy Flight Games era. Mm-hmm. It took place post-Storm of Chaos. So it was in this specific kind of multiverse of, of the Warhammer world. So Games Workshop ig- really ignored Storm of Chaos once it was done. And by about 7th edition, they they kind of removed a lot of the references to it. But fa- Fantasy Flight Games kind of continued on the story. So if you want to see like, oh, what does a rebuilding Erengrad look like after the war? You can kind of find those in the various supplements. And it's really cool. I, I, I did When I did my episode on Kislev, I, I went deep into those books and uh, found a lot of really cool, really cool things and, and just uh, and a much kind of longer version of, of the fall of Erengrad and and how it went down from kind of a military perspective and everything and you know people trying to to get out of the city and just yeah so if you're mm-hmm. if you're looking for that kind of thing if you're looking for that kind of depth third edition Warhammer fantasy role play is your place for kind of finding out what happened after the That's storm good of chaos. to know actually yeah. really good to know thank yeah. you all right boys our best boy Bellacor shows up here the dark master the not star of the show for albion but the the guy that was behind the albion campaign finally shows up he is the first demon prince of chaos and he's a little bitter about this whole thing (laughs) so bitter in fact he has his own magic lore (laughs) yeah yeah he can't even use regular magic lore he he only uses his own special magic lore. so cool I, man, I love Bellacor so much. I love Bellacor because he is so bitter. He's one of those characters that just, he's so, he's so salty all the time. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's really endearing. He's the demonic salt mine. But he yeah. can't catch a break either, really. <laughs> like, because the Chaos Gods created him and then immediately were like, oh, no, this was a mistake. Right? It wasn't his fault. You know, he was the first being that they in- imbued with their power. They all imbued him with a little bit of power. And then none of them could control him because he was imbued with all of their power. And so then they were just like, oh, okay, no, we're going to have our own demon princes from now on. Uh, but you can go be away from us. <laughs> like, they just don't want him around. Poor guy. Oh, God, I love Bellacor so much. Um, yeah, yeah. So this is our demon army. And this is, I argue, the most important army in this book because it fixes what was a big issue with 6th edition in that demons really got neutered between 5th and 6th. They lost a ton of options. Mm -hmm, They lost a lot of flavor and a lot of interesting units and a lot of interesting options. Remember, It just became a a a standard core unit or whatever in the book. And one that couldn't even take stand, like, command. It was terrible. Um, So the, the demon, the demonic legions go 
some way in repairing that and making them into a proper army for 6th edition. This is quite a list. This is, contains a ton of new units. And I like the fact that they fixed up a little bit of the stuff in Hordes of Chaos to make them a bit better. So for their demonic special rules, uh, the their instability rules stayed the same, but they get a plus one to their leadership value. So yeah. it, it kind of helped that a little bit. Also, their demonic aura got increased to a uh, five up ward save. Again, yeah. a nice little bump there. Per- perfect example of them hitting the demons with the giant nerf bat and realizing oh crap that was too much <laughs> yeah that we hit them that a little too hard that was just yeah. a regular bat that, oh god oh god they're yeah, bleeding yeah. from the head they're <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 and it gives them back standard bearers which is really nice it's it's just it's what should have been done from the start and that's the yeah. example what i was saying earlier about if you play games with me you are free to use this list i'm not going to be like no you have to use the hordes of chaos rules like because it's not I don't like to limit what you want to do. Mm-hmm. And this book just opened up. If if the old world sucks, this is what I'm playing. Like, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so good. Yeah. We won't go through everything here, but maybe just hit on some of the highlights. What did you guys like about this list in particular? I've got a few things, but I talk too much, so I shouldn't go first here. <laughs> what, uh, yeah, what stands out to you in, in this list? Uh, for me, it's the chariots. Mm, good choice I, I just like you're adding a whole new unit and a way of playing because chariots are like that missile and then you have like screamers <laughs> not being pulled by a horse or a cold one anymore you got screamers you have um the slanesh uh, seekers and the speed right from a seeker and then you have the the nurgle one you know the plague bearers it's like they each have their own personality because of the god the patron god but also how it plays is so how you sh- how you think they should play. Mm-hmm. It, it matches the lore. Absolutely. Yeah. Then you get your creative kit bashing. That's the other part of it. Yeah, that's true. Because a lot of those models, you, you have kits for those now, but you didn't back then. Mm-hmm. I mean, you now have the the, uh, the Seeker Chariot and everything that you can get. and uh, But nowadays, um, oh, back then, you, you just had to convert everything from basically bits yeah. and bobs which is arguably better if it looks cool and works yeah it's arguably better than um, them creating the model some you know a lot of the conversions i've seen of certain models are okay and gw just knocks it out of the park with a main one but then you get these conversions sometimes that are like that that's just as good if not better than what they can do when they are done well those conversions like yeah. done really professionally but yeah, converting is a is an art in and of itself. It right. takes time to learn, and yeah. Look at that chariot yeah, I, of corn. I'm just uh, <laughs> glad that they brought back uh, some of those units from the um, th- that were lost from the from the fifth edition list when they went to sixth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, again, a lot of new players are coming into sixth ed. They're, they never played fifth, so they don't really know. Like what you guys know? Yeah. Well, that was me coming into third edition 40k and not realizing how stripped down it was from second edition. Yeah. Man, that's that's like a like a physical shock. (laughs) But but if it's all you know, right? You don't you don't know to miss it. So 
it, it was yeah i'm sure for for people who started in sixth edition um this this would have been a whole new paradigm for for demons right like this is this is a full-on it's like it's list. like going from eighth edition to aos but not on not on round basis yeah 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 one thing that i'll say about this list is i honestly wish that this had been taken as the template for the demonic codexes or army yeah. books that we got in in seventh and eighth yeah because there's things here that i think are a little bit better done than in seventh and eighth i don't think we needed all of the the monstrous cavalry and the blood crushers i mean monstrous cavalry was one of the things that really started to imbalance the game but at the same time i don't think i could turn down pleasure seekers if they had remained yeah like the the one picture that we get which is just a demonette rider on the uh steed of slanesh and the steed of slanesh isn't the um what are they called the mounted demonettes the seekers the seekers yeah it's the actual like snake like yep uh steed that that usually you see the chaos lord on oh my god it looks so good with a demonette though yeah and fielding them as units oh my god yeah. how incredible super how fast. incredible yeah super fast you had two demonette units that you could move uh that had movement 10 wild absolutely yeah. wild uh the pleasure seekers i loved so much this is one of those things and i mean blood crushers are here they're 80 points per model which maybe mm-hmm. they arguably should have been in seventh ed but uh yeah like there's just so much here that is is a great idea like it's it's hard to hard to say yeah for me i i'm glad you you mentioned the the chariots i'll mention the riders uh Mm -hmm. the the pleasure seekers the uh blood crushers and the plague riders they're really cool they're the they're basically what monstrous cavalry would become but because it's sixth edition they don't get all of those bonuses and special things that made monstrous cavalry just wildly powerful in in seventh and eighth um so I think they probably work a lot better here. Also like seeing flamers out of horror units. That was a big pet peeve of mine in 6th right. edition. Yeah. Because I like flamers as their own kind of thing. Yeah. And liked seeing that. But this army, yeah, if you're if you're going out there playing 6th edition and you like demons, there's really no reason to use the book list at all. Unless you're no. legitimately mixing chaos warriors and chaos demons. Yeah. Yeah. No feel free to do this i it's just so good Mm -hmm. you get more freedom with the within if you're just doing demons yeah yeah also can we last last thing i'm going to mention here um i demonic heralds i like and i mean that in like the the later eras you know like the heralds of corn heralds of nurdle there's something about getting a generic one and then kind of making it your own that's yes. really attractive. Like I like, yes. you know, there's a demonic herald here as a uh, hero choice, 120 points base, a uh, bit of a beast as far as stat line goes, but you get to make it your own by giving it various, you know, it's demonic yep. gifts and it's it's it marks and stuff. I yes. like the idea of a single entry that you you build on top of as opposed to oh, you know, I here's your agree. four separate entries. And I just kind of wish that had stuck around as well. The only problem I see is the tough four, two wounds, 120 points base is a little rough. It is a little rough. It I, is a I, little rough. But. Like, even if you took that down to 
80 points, you're still looking at, you know, you put it on a mount, that's 130 points. Yeah, it's a little costly, I think. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but this super is cool. This is an expensive army, though, yes. as far as points go, right? This yeah. is not an army where you're going to be getting a lot of uh, models on the field, honestly. Mm-hmm. Even stuff like Hordes of Archaeon, I think, are going to outnumber a demon army quite substantially. Yeah. All right, gents. I think that's where we're going to end this one. So in part two, we're going to start with Defenders of the Empire. And the way I'm going to release this, and I'm this is going to be fairly humorous, I'm sure, for the listeners, because in the last episode, I mentioned that we were going to go to a bi-weekly schedule just with everything that is starting to go on in my life. It's, it's just not going to happen that I'm going to be able to release one every week. What I would like to do, however, is release these parts back to back. So I'm going to try my best to get them out one week after another, just so no one has to wait too long. And, you know, no one's going to forget what we were talking about. So we will try our best to do that. Before we go, however, today, GJ has a game for us. Yeah, well, I've got this uh, Storm of Chaos themed quiz for you guys. (laughs) Okay, should I close my book? Uh, yes, you should. Okay. This is not, not an open book. book test. Okay, darn. Although I will not reference the actual Storm of Chaos book anyway, so... Uh, oh, okay. Well, uh, I'll, I'll tell you how it goes. This is going to be a, a bit of a linguistic... Uh, well, it's, it's got a bit of a linguistic input, let me put it like that. Because uh, we Dutchies, we also have the word off, as in Storm of Chaos. Mm. Except that our Dutch word off translates to or in english so we're going to play a quiz called storm of chaos but the dutch meaning of of in in (laughs) storm or chaos chaos. (laughs) yeah so uh i have for you uh four questions each and uh, the questions are divided into two categories the storm questions and the chaos questions taking turns you each pick a category and uh, try to answer the question uh, when you get it wrong, you get it wrong. There's no stealing. Although okay. I will allow the other person to, um, of course, try to answer it uh, just for the sure. fun of it. So, um, oh, and I have a tiebreaker at the end should the score be tied. All right. I have no idea who went first last time. Um, I think we rolled a die. We probably did. Can you do it again? Uh, sure. Allegedly. Uh... Don't you have like a set of dice? Uh, Going to Google and telling it to roll a d6 for me. All right. Uh, I rolled a four. Rolled a four. Okay. All right. Roll. Oh, I got a three. Okay. Stupid Google. All right. Scott, going to start with you. Storm or chaos? Hmm. Let's try chaos. All right. Question one for the chaos category. Two third edition and one fifth edition book share this title. Realm of Chaos. Excellent. Yes. One point for Scott. Was fourth editions just Warhammer Armies Chaos? Yeah, it was, I believe. Let me get up here real quick. Yeah, Warhammer Armies Chaos. (laughs) Okay, I'm glad I didn't get that question because that would have broken me entirely. (laughs) Because I was just like, oh man, I don't don't remember if fourth edition was also... But yeah, sometimes n- absorbing all the information doesn't, you know, <laughs> doesn't stick you. with you. Yeah. No. That's why we have that's why we have the internet. We just look it up again, right? Yeah, yeah. All Nathan, right. 
Ooh. Storm or chaos? Storm or chaos. Okay. Well, we've seen chaos, so I gotta say storm. See what we get. All right. This is the name of Altharian's griffon. Oh. I forget. <laughs> yeah, you and me both. I, I no, uh, I, I, almost, I had it, and then I was like, no, that's the Carl Franz's <laughs> griffon. I thought, I thought that was an easy one. I. I just read this friggin' story. Is it Stormwing? It is. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah okay. I was going to say Stormclaw, but yeah. Stormwing. Okay. Stormwing, yeah. Now you're mixing them up. Deathclaw is Carl Francis Griffin. Deathclaw, right. Yeah. That yeah. poor that poor dude, that, he sacrificed himself for... Oh, yeah, he did, didn't he? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what Scott, about that lazy Imperial oh. Dragon? He never did a thing, did he? <laughs> no, including getting a model. Yeah. He didn't do that either. <laughs> Sorry. It was. Go it ahead. was also like. It was also for me anyway. I was like, men have no business on a dragon. <laughs> Elves and other creatures. Uh, let's try yeah. storm. Storm. All right. This eighth edition supplement features a spinner on the inside cover. Oh, the winds of uh, storm of chaos. Sorry. Hold on. Stop it. Stop. <laughs> St- wait. Storm of magic. Thank you. Yes. Okay. okay. Oh my uh, god. Uh, I was well. I, you can't see me, because, but I'm holding my fingers very closely. <laughs> I was this close to uh, <laughs> denying you the point, but you got when, it. When you said you hold your finger close to, I was thinking a zapper. Like, am I going to get zapped? Or? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, 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 it's not that kind of game show. Okay. <laughs> Nathan, back to you. Okay. Uh, give me some chaos. Give me some chaos. What is the name of the weapon carried by Heinrich Kemmler? Okay. Okay. So uh, there's two stupid necromancers with chaos swords, I think. And one of them's uh, Dieter Hellsnitch and one of them's Heinrich Kemmler. I think Kemmler's is the chaos tomb blade. You think correctly. Okay. Because I believe... Two for two here. Yeah, I, I think... Uh, Hellsnitch has a Chaos Rune Blade. You... Might be. Might be. I, yeah. I'd have to. No, I have to no, no that's up. okay. I just. This is my own insanity. Mm-hmm. Also, glad to see uh, my boy Heinrich back on the show. I was hoping you'd pick this question. <laughs> <laughs> Scott, Storm or Chaos? Let's do Chaos. What was the name of the event in which Asavar Cole played a pivotal role? Hmm. The event was. Hmm, no, I don't think I know this. No, Nathan? That would be the Great War Against Chaos. That would indeed be the oh. Great War Against Chaos, yeah. I was hoping, well, it is of course a, a very well-known event, but I was hoping to just mention Asafar Kull and cool. then hope that someone of you wouldn't be able to get this. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, mission accomplished. This, uh, <laughs> yeah, mission pleases my um <laughs> uh, uh, how do you say my uh, nasty quiz master uh, <laughs> the nasty little quiz master that's living inside my brain yeah. <laughs> nice right nathan uh, storm or chaos Ooh. So the last one was a chaos give me another storm all right there are three six editions caven magic items with storm in the name oh, no. Name at least one of them. Oh, this is you being very nice. Yeah. This is th- me being generous. I yeah. think I can do one. I, I, oh, okay. 
So, I'm believe Ikit Claw. His magic weapon is called Stormbringer, or Storm Demon. Storm Demon, not Stormbringer. Uh, so Storm Demon. Let me just see if I can come up with another one. Uh, so Storm. Storm Demon is correct, by the oh, way. Okay, yeah. good, good. Storm- Who oh, Stormbringer. And, and, uh, I, I was referring to the um, generic magic items, not the. Um, oh. Special character magic items. Okay. I didn't make that clear, but... Uh, okay. So, so, uh, but still Skaven items, right? Not... Yes, yeah, Sk- okay. Skaven, Skaven generic magic items for 6th edition. Ooh. Uh, oh, there is a... Uh, is it a... No, that's like a... War- oh, man. I'm, I'm drawing a blank on any other ones. Scott, do you... Uh, do you remember any of the... What? I'm trying to remember what Stormbringer was. <laughs> I'm oh. still stuck on remembering that. It's an, is it an empire thing? It might be. Yeah. yeah. Uh, wasn't there a storm cannon? No, it wasn't that. It was. Uh, I was thinking maybe it, like a warp storm. Warp storm. I don't know. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, almost. That's, that's yeah. the uh, warp storm scroll. Warp storm okay. scroll. Okay. Right. And uh, the Skaven also got the storm banner. The storm. storm banner. Oh, okay. Right, right, right. Oh, that's where the storm banner ended up. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Okay. Neat. Very cool. I was actually looking through uh, Storm Banner. Uh, yeah, that's right. They divided it up from Fifth Ed. What yeah. got what? Yeah. All right. Two more questions remaining. One for Storm and one for Chaos. All right. Let me try Storm. What is the full name of the Eighth Edition Tomb King's spell number six? That is a Strength Four Magical Vortex that's cast on a fifteen plus. You're the meanest person in the world. <laughs> I'm sorry, that is not correct. <laughs> well, it is correct, but it's not the answer. <laughs> um, Vortex. Oh my god, I hate this because... Or Emery and I were going over the spells with fine detail last year. <laughs> uh, yeah, we were debating on this one. So it's the fourth spell, did you say? The sixth spell. Oh, it's the last one. Yeah. yeah. It's a magical oh Vortex god. with strength four hits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we know we know Storm is in the name somewhere there. Uh, it's like. Do you think it'd have well, sand in the name? So it's like you know, it Tomb could. King's sand, sandstorm. Yeah, it's like Altex Storm of. <laughs> I can't remember. I'm, I'm, I'm. Storm of Angry Bees. It, it, it is a very nasty question. I, I'm a Tomb yeah. Kings player, and I wouldn't have known this by heart. <laughs> no, no, it's so, all good. Uh, <laughs> I don't. I, unless Nathan knows, I. I'll oh no, no! I'm just going to make up stupid uh, names. So just yeah. go for it. Yeah. Well, it's actually a Sakmet's incantation of the Skull Storm. Oh, oh my, my god. god! Not even close. Yeah. You gave me a million look, look, years. And I was closer to the spell make... with storm in it, and, and this one was the. Uh, <laughs> I was closer I to making up the name Ahmed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we have one question left, but the score is already three to two for Nathan. So, okay. um, Nathan, do you want to uh, answer this last question, yeah, or do you yeah, maybe I mean, want to give it to Scott and see if you can get it tied? Oh, and yes. Let's do that. I want to see what the tiebreaker would be. So, yeah, I, I will yeah. abdicate this question. That Very doesn't make generous any sense. of you. Yeah. <laughs> Wrong word, but you know what I mean. <laughs> All right, Scott. Nathan's giving you another chance here. Uh, right. The last chaos question. And I really hope you know this. Which Warhammer Armies book has the subtitle An Armies Book of Malevolent Intent? And I want to hear the full name and the edition that oh it's from. Oh my god. I have no clue. Oh, I, I had this. Are we looking at 4th edition? What is it? 
No, he, he wants to know well, the edition uh, and the yeah. book name. Yeah. So what chaos? Oh, like I would have to say which edition it comes from. Yeah. Uh, and and what and what the name of the book is? Oh God, no clue. Oh my God, which one is it? Oh, this is it's this okay. is you so can, good. You can do the tiebreaker anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, well, can I? If can you have I time, take we'll do a it. Guess. Yes, yeah, sure. Yep. I'm gonna say it was. I I feel like it was a seventh edition, and I feel like it was it was either warriors or demons. I almost want to say demons. Well. The one that I had in mind was 6th edition Hordes of Chaos. Oh, was it just Hordes of Chaos? Oh my really? god. Really? Okay, wow. I'd seen that recently, but for some reason but, my head was uh, thinking demons. It's, it, it is indeed also the subtitle I, I just realized of the 7th edition Warriors of Chaos book. Okay. There you go. And, and maybe a I few mean, I was more, still wrong. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm not neat. sure if it's, in, if it's in the demons book. but yeah, Prob- book, Probably but just Warriors, yeah. Probably cool. Warriors, yeah. Cool, cool. Now, Demons doesn't have a subtitle. All right. Yeah, yeah. yeah so, hit, hit um, us with that tiebreaker just for fun. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, just for fun then. Uh, the tiebreaker, uh, this is also uh, related to Storm of Chaos, of course, uh, because you cannot have a Storm of Chaos without the Winds of Magic. Mm-hmm. Taking turns, name either one of the Winds of Magic, uh, the College of Magic, or one of the corresponding eight lores. So I want the name of the... Wind of Magic, uh, the the order of the um, Imperial College, or the the lore of the spells. Oh my god! Uh, okay. So we have twenty four answers here, and <laughs> wow. uh, you just have to guess one each in time. The first one okay. to draw a blank or to name a wind or lore that has already been mentioned loses. Oh, oh, this is a good memory one. Okay. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Scott, do you want to go first? So we have. Lore, college, and and the and the, the name of the wind. Spell. Yeah, and the name of the wind. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, and I'd have to name all three. No, no, just one. Okay. But you can you can name either of the three, and that will give you a. a so point I believe there's we'll the, the wind one. of death. Is that Shyesh? You're going for the wind already. Yeah, excellent. Shyesh is correct. Great. Okay. Uh, so I will go for its opposite in Hish. The uh, Hish is yeah. also correct. Right. You're going for the difficult ones first. I thought well, you those... would go for laws and orders. Uh... Yeah. <laughs> hmm. Scott, you're up again. I, I guess the the college. Actually, I'll just head up an easy one. Let's do. Um, what was that? I'm just gonna throw something out there. Is it the colleges are called the order of? Is that right? Yeah, the order. Yeah. yeah. Okay. The order of, oh, I don't want to get it wrong, so I'm just gonna go with yeah. Just one sec here. Lore, it, let's just do the let's just do the lore of beasts. Lore of beasts is correct. It's yes. just a simple one. All right, let's make this super confusing and start off by going with one in all three. So I will say the Jade Order. There you go. The Jade Order is also there. there. All right. Scott, back to you. Mm, damn, it's really bugging me that I can't remember the name of the order of the metal magic. It was the order of gold, I think. But I'll do. Um, let's just do the lore of shadows. Lore of shadow is correct. I will go with the bright order. Nice. The bright order is also correct. That's from the light. So I'll just say the lore of light. Lore of light is there. Uh oh. We get in. 
how many of the silly made-up names do I remember for the actual <laughs> uh, winds? Uh, there is the wind of Chamon. There is. Leave is... No, I don't even remember which one it is. I'm just remembering the name. <laughs> well, you don't have to remember which one it is because yeah. then you might give away some... Uh... That's true. That's true. We don't want to do that. What is the... Now, this is just the eight lures we're on. So, it would be the lure of life. There is indeed a lure of life. Still growing, going strong, guys. Okay. I'm going to go with uh, the lore of shadow. The lore of shadow has already been mentioned by Scott. Oh, no. Oh, man. My, this is my memory. Well, <laughs> <laughs> you know what? It was going to cool. happen sooner oh, rather than yeah. later, I guess. <laughs> well, well, congratulations on the tiebreaker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you, you both won one game now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> good stuff that's oh man we you know what we could even come back to that tiebreaker again because <laughs> i feel like we i feel like we got through like five answers of 24 so no, right. no you got you got you got a couple more let me see okay. it's uh four and two and three so you're on uh you're on nine i can't believe nine i out of 24. just like because i feel like you we mentioned like three lores and like one of them was the yeah. shadows and i was like mm, lore shadows yeah. <laughs> oh wow. yeah and, and and scott you um uh you said it in your first guess uh well uh the lore of death oh that's shyish so yeah go for shyish but lore of death would have also been correct and you mentioned <laughs> you know Lore of metal and is it the gold order? <laughs> uh, yeah, well, let, let's let's go for the lore of life. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. It was funny. Scott definitely reminded me of the gold order. I was I was saving that one in my back yeah. pocket. I should have I, I should like, just said that. I was like reading about Balthazar Delft in the college. He's fun. Like, he's really he's fun. super fun. Yeah, yeah, the lore. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All, All right, right, guys. Well done. Yeah. Thanks awesome, for that. Man. Those were fun. Fun games. Ah, glad that, you liked him. Yeah, yeah, always, always. You've got a real uh, quiz master in you there, even if he is little and nasty. So. <laughs> well, no. <laughs> that's only when I'm angry. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody, that's going to do it for this episode. Stay tuned for parts two and three, maybe four or five and six. I don't know how long it's going to take <laughs> us to get through this, but we will get through it. One, one day, we will get through it all. Thanks so much for listening. And until next time, have a great week. Thanks for listening to the War Games Orchard. If you enjoy the show, why not join us on Patreon? There you'll gain access to all of our bonus content for any level of donation. It's a great way to help us keep going and enjoy extra Orchard content. If Patreon's not your thing, please consider giving us a five-star review on your podcast platform of choice and sharing this show with friends. If you'd like to get in touch, you can find us on Facebook at The Warhammer Orchard and The Wargames Orchard, or by email at wargamesorchard at gmail.com.